Okie dokie, here we go. You're damn right, everybody. Welcome to the show, the Hoopercast Movie Hour. Facebook.com slash Hoopercast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio On Demand. Leave us a nice review because I checked today. We have none. We need to change that. Um, big thanks, though, to our friends at Anchor FM. And because of them and their distribution of our show, our audience has tripled. So thank you for that, Anchor. Yay. Check out our archives out on our YouTube page um, in case there's something that's not on the iTunes or podcast archive. It's probably on the YouTube channel. Make sure it's us, though, and it's written in um, you know American English and not... <laughs> Whatever the yes. hell that was. Right, right. Uh, call into the show at 251-333-8732 to leave us your questions and comments. 251-333-8732. Dustin is here. I am here. Let's talk about some movies. Hi, Dustin. Let's do it. Hey. Woo! Woo! Um, yeah, let's get right in on into it. Um, do you want to talk... Uh, let's do box office real quick, and then we'll get to some breaking news. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So over the weekend, January twenty fifth through the twenty seventh, uh, the final week, the final weekend in um, in in FU, it's January. Um, yes. The top three rem- are nothing. Nothing opened to crack the top three. Essentially, we no, still, it did not. The same one, two, and three from last week. Glass at number one. The upside at number two. Aquaman at number three. Uh, the kid who would be king for Fox premiering at number four. Uh, yeah. With seven million dollars, ooh, seven million dollars. Yeah, right. Um, uh, Glass taking in another eighteen million dollars. The upside, yeah. another just shy of twelve million. Aquaman, a little bit over seven million. Uh, so yeah, really not much to report there, honestly. <laughs> no, but I, I will throw this in uh, just as an aside. So uh, Fathom Events has two two things here that opened number or opened for the first. This was their first weekend, um, and they opened at thirteen and twenty one, which doesn't sound remarkable. But for two Fathom Event movies, that is kind of crazy. Um, and one of them was The Wizard of Oz 80th anniversary, which oh. is crazy because that movie is super old and uh, it, it still earned over. Over a million dollars this weekend. What's what's BTS World Tour? I don't know. That's probably some. Uh, sounds like some love uh, yourself live music s- music stuff. Yeah, who's BTS? Uh, I have no idea. Let's just let's uh, just call them band? behind the scenes. Yeah, yes. behind the scenes. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, all right, well, boys that shake. <laughs> <laughs> Bite that sushi. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, okay, cool. Well, um, opening this weekend also, uh, nothing really. Um, there's, uh, well, I've got, I've seen a lot of promos for Miss Bala, whatever that is. I have Don't, not even heard of this. Uh, Gina Rodriguez, uh, okay. film. Yeah. Right. Um, and then there's also, I'm showing Fandango early access to the how to train your, the next how to train your dragon movie. Yeah, yeah. How to so Train Your lot, Dragon, The Hidden World. Which is strange. So a lot of theaters or, or movies and studios are doing this now. And you may recall, I saw Fantastic Beasts early. Mm-hmm. I ended up seeing Aquaman early. Um, a lot of people are really digging this whole early release thing. So they're doing that I with... I dig it. Yeah, me too. They're doing that with uh, How to Train Your Dragon. And also Lego Movie 2 is getting an early screening. Um, so um, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it out to either of those, but I would love to. Yeah, um, and, and especially because according to this, this film has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, now that, that may drop, but sure. um, <laughs> the other two have been well-received, so I'm, I'm excited for this one. I, I do like the the other two. I own the first one. Um, the second one I saw just once on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there, but it was. And um, The first I, one? I need, I, the second one. And, no, and I need unclear. to revisit it, though, because I, I remember liking the second one, but I only saw it once. It was while I was sick. I watched it like 3 a.m. while I was throwing up. Uh, <laughs> so well, maybe anything was a welcome change of pace. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't say too much. Like, oh, thank God. A brief respite from vomiting. Yes. <laughs> That's what you put in your review. <laughs> Correct. Um, okay. Well, uh Hey, well, I mean, I, I like early access, and um, and I guess for them it just helps build word of mouth and anticipation yeah. for the actual opening weekend. So perhaps yeah, totally. they just they crunch some numbers and they're like, hey, this this translates to money. 
Yeah, I think especially if they're confident it'll do well or at least do well within its demographic Mm -hmm. because you know the people who are going to come out to see those early screenings are the demographic. Mm -hmm. So you do one of those for Aquaman or for Bumblebee, like only the fans are going to show up and the fans are easier to please, you know, more often than not. So yeah, it's a good way to build good buzz. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. This thing is... Okay, whatever. Um... All right. Uh, okay, cool. So that was that was the box office and uh, what's going on this weekend. Not much going on in either category. So, um, but yeah, I guess if you're, I don't know if you've saw that on your Fandango, but at least if you're in the Mobile area, you get early, you get an early access to How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Pretty sweet. Um, yeah, totally. Okie dokie. Uh, let's move on to breaking film news that you've got, yeah. Dustin. What do you, what you let's got? Let's do it. Um, so, so we're going to start with something that broke actually, I believe yesterday, okay. um, from the, the day that we recorded this. Um, so the second Zombieland, um, poster <clears throat> was released. Um, so this new Zombieland film will be titled Zombieland Double Tap, which is fitting considering that's one of the rules of survival from the first film. Um, so this film again stars Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin, and Emma Stone. Um, it also joining them this this time is Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and you know what? I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I really love Zombieland. Um, and this, this got me thinking about it. Um, Zombieland, that first film really, really like tore me up. I was laughing so hard in the theater. Um, so, so I'm excited for Zombieland 2. The returning cast just makes it that much sweeter, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know if they can recapture some of that uh, original magic, I think I think we're in for something special, um, because you know I feel like that first one was um, uh, was a good comedy. You know, it wasn't a horror movie, it wasn't a sci-fi movie, it wasn't an apocalypse movie. It was a comedy and and it was funny mm-hmm. and i really really enjoyed the the whole ride so i'm, I'm excited for zombie land too yeah um i i i remember really liking the first one but i think again i poured an algae full of beer before i went <laughs> to the theater so yeah which is just for anyone who you know rem- remembers uh Nalgene, that's exactly three beers um <laughs> so uh so i had a nice time with the film but that, that doesn't you know doesn't say too much for the film itself, but I remember liking it. Um, uh, yeah. really liking it. Um, I think it's uh, especially with um, you know, director coming back and the the writers coming back, and they're the same guys who wrote Deadpool. It's kind of the perfect kind yeah. of um, you know, irreverent uh, sort of dark, self aware humor that that yeah. that that is their brand. So it's it's perfect. And like you said, the returning cast. I love Rosario Dawson. Um, she's one of those people that I'll I'll probably watch you know watching anything. Um, sure. Uh, sorry about that. Let me turn this. Okay, cool. I can hear better. Um, and what else would I write down? Oh yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of things 10 years later after the first film that can cult cause this came around sort of when zombies were on the upswing of popularity. Yeah. Um, totally. And now, you know, it's 2019 and we talk every week about when the walking dead's going to end and why it should have ended earlier. And so for them yeah. to come out, you know, you know, it's cause they have something to say. Yep. And, uh, totally. and, and so it feels like it feels inspired in that way. Um, yes. so, uh, yeah, th- this could be good. And, and man, I was looking at that poster, Abigail Breslin. Yeah. She, she's, she's grown up. She's grown up. She is a, she is an, an adult now. So, um, <laughs> <clears throat> another reason I'll t- tune into the, how, please tell me she's of age. <laughs> Yeah, I I, w- I believe okay. so. Yes. Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, it, it looks it looks good. You know. It, um, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> all right. So we've got also a story about about a bunch of Batman news happening too. Yeah. So so this news actually broke today, and actually the 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 first um, I I heard about it was um, a quote from Matt Reeves, who's long been attached to direct this film, which has been titled The Batman for a long time. I don't know if that's the actual title we'll end up sticking with, um, but um, if it, if it is, I'm I dig it. Like I'm I'm ready for something just called The Batman. I think that's pretty dope. So. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, this quote, I'm going to read you a couple of quotes here um, from uh, Reeves. Um, he says, uh, "Quote: It's very much a point of view, uh, a point of view driven noir Batman tale. It's told very squarely on his shoulders, and I hope it's going to be a story that will be thrilling but also emotional. It's more Batman in his detective mode than we've seen in the films. The comics have a history of that. He's supposed to be the world's greatest detective, and that's not necessarily been a part." of what the movies have been. And he goes on to say, there will be a rogues gallery. The casting process will begin shortly. We're starting to put together our battle plan. I'm doing another pass on the script and we'll begin some long lead stuff to start developing conceptual things. Um, so this film is well on its way. Um, I love the idea that this is a detective movie. Um, I have said for a long time, probably on this podcast, um, that that the detective part of Batman has not been touched. Well, you know, very little has been touched on in the live action films. Um, yeah. And so I would love to see a good detective story for Batman. Um, they basically dumbed it down to any montage of anybody figuring out stuff where it's just like, oh, the writers needed to kill some... You know, oh, he figured it, he figured it out, but we're not going to show how he he typed which, into a computer, which you know? diminishes Batman's detective quality because it just in in terms of like movie devices, it just makes him just as smart as anybody figuring out anything, which is too broad right and you know, right a disservice to a, a big character trait of his. Yes, exactly. Um, and and I've always really loved the the Sherlock Holmesian uh, stories. So you know, thinking specifically of something like um, Batman Hush or mm-hmm. um, the, the Long, Long Halloween, Halloween or in, any of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. where um, his detective prowess is on is on display. Um, and One even of which thinking just back got announced to, uh, that's going to be a, a movie. I think I talked yeah, about this a few they're episodes both, back. There oh, was Hush too. Both, yeah, yeah. So oh, they're both going to be uh, directed video. We've been saying I'm, I'm for really... years that Hush and The Long Halloween would make good films. Yes, 100%. Now, I hope they nail the art style. Um, some mm-hmm. of the art styles for these directed videos have gotten a little bit bland. Right. Um, and the animation's gotten a little bit janky. But mm-hmm. um, if they keep the core of that story and give us a good voice cast, which I think the voice cast for both has been announced. Uh, sadly, it's not Kevin Conroy or right. Mark Hamill right. or any of that. Um, but um, but if they give us a good voice cast and, and some decent animation, I'm, I'm sold. The story's... Yeah. Great. Um, and, and that's really the stuff that I, I relate to most. Um, it, it's really that detective quality of Batman, but also the determination of Batman, um, which I feel like hasn't really been on screen very much. Um, maybe, maybe save for the Dark Knight Rises, there's not like a point where Batman is so broken that the only way he can you know, move on is to just dig deep and, and muster up some strength that, that the average man would not be able to muster. Like that's the stuff that I love. And there's a, there's an arc from uh, a few years ago called the court of owls. And if you haven't read it, um, it's a phenomenal story, um, in which Batman is actually placed in a labyrinth. Um, and he's in this labyrinth for a long time. I can't remember off the top of my head how long, but, but I want to say like days or weeks, um, he's just in this labyrinth and, and he hasn't had anything to eat or drink. And, and then like a ton of villains, like henchmen start attacking him. Right. And there's this, there's this, this full page spread of Batman. Like he appears as a giant with all of the henchmen, like as tiny minuscule little figures that he's just swatting away. And they even draw Batman with like an actual, like, like bat face and stuff like like it's so abstract but at the same time it's it's literally a a a representation of the grit and the determination in that character that he appears so much taller uh like as a giant to these small little henchmen um in that even after weeks of, of or let's just say days, because I can't remember, uh, even after days of, of wandering with no food or water in the middle of a labyrinth, he's able to dig just a little bit deeper and and find the strength to overcome. And that, and that to me is the stuff that speaks to me. So if Matt Reeves can hit on either one of those two qualities of Batman, um, I think we're in for a treat. Um, and I love the idea of, of using a full rogues gallery. You know, we just mentioned Hush and The Long Halloween. You know, you could talk about Arkham Asylum. You could talk about a bunch of different things that, that incorporate this large number of uh, Batman villains um, and supporting cast um, that the movies really have only 
hinted at, right? That, oh, well, the Joker's still out there or Scarecrow's still out there. One of the reasons I love The Dark Knight is it opens with the Scarecrow. And so you get this sense that these characters are continuing. Yeah. Um, I love that kind of thing. And so um, to have the full rogues gallery is really, really cool. Um and then, and then to, today, um, a little bit, a little, just before we, we actually sat down to record this, um, Deadline Hollywood, um, announced, uh, the Batman, um, to fly in summer 2021, Ben Affleck passes the torch to the next generation of Bruce Wayne. Um, that's the sort of headline. That's the tweet. Um, ben Affleck retweeted this and added excited for the Batman in summer 2021 and to see Matt Reeves vision come to life. Um, so it's pretty much, it is official now, Ben Affleck will not be Batman moving forward. Um, so the casting process is starting up, not just for the rogues, but for Batman himself. Um, this is a huge plus for the DCEU, um, if that even still exists at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, to have a, a different person as Batman is great to be able to disconnect from, uh, what has come before, you know, notably the Jared Leto, Margot Robbie, um, Killer Croc, you know, whoever else was in Suicide Squad. I never saw that junk. Um, and, and you know, all, all of this pre-established stuff that they can kind of cut ties with instantly here. Um, so it'll be, it'll be great. It'll be a little weird that there's Jared Leto, Joaquin Phoenix, and then potentially another Joker in this film all in a small time frame but um but i'm i'm for it you know i'm i'm willing to look at this as a standalone batman movie and i'm looking forward to it yeah um you know i'm sure that they could have made it work with this vision and with ben affleck but i'm sure that i i i really have no doubt that it'd be better with another actor for batman and it's just better for the brand that they distance themselves and you know from him um totally yeah, I, I think I love what the structure of a detective or mystery can do for a character transformation. Yes, um, and given uh, Matt Reeves' strength uh, with nonverbal storytelling with the with the Planet of the Apes films and and yeah. other things he's directed, I'm I'm really excited for this. Um, yeah, I think like you said, it's it's a it's a chance to see Batman um, sort of driven and sort of. A seminal trait of, of his, at least to me, is is his his he, he's you know his workaholism when it comes to solving crimes. Like he yeah, yeah he doesn't just like solve crimes because it's like you know it's like the right thing to do. It's like right. no, like this is this is what An I obsession. am. And I, I'm obsessed yeah. with 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 yeah. figuring this out. So sure. if you can convey that, and I think Matt Reeves can to an audience, like how how frustrating it is when he meets a dead end or when it's just another stupid Riddler card he finds. Like ah oh, Jesus, another one. <laughs> like, right, 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 um, right. Yeah, I think that that's gonna be really, really, really great. I think. Yes, yes, um, I agree. Uh, you got something about James Gunn? Yeah, so um, weirdly enough, um, James Gunn has been confirmed now to be both writing and directing The Suicide Squad. Mm. Um, this is very vague. We don't know if this is a sequel or a reboot or how they're going to be handling this. It is called The Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad 2 or Suicide Squad revisited or whatever like it's it's the suicide squad so maybe they're pulling a fast and furious move um but um i really I, it really seems more like it's going to be a reboot right. I, I just have a hard time believing that james gunn is going to step in and say okay that other movie was really great let me build on it i feel like he's just going to say no 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 right let's start over because he yeah exactly i i doubt that it's it's you know he did get fired but like it's not like he He's desperate for work to where he's just going to yeah. like shut his mouth about a horrible story, right. horrible script. I, I'm just sort of secretly hoping that he casts his exact cast from Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and secretly makes Guardians 3, like just does that yeah. that script as the Suicide Squad. And then like five months after it comes out, takes to Twitter and says, imagine this character is this character, this character is this character, this character is this character. Boom. Guardians yeah. 3. Yeah. Owned. You know, but uh, whatever. I, but um, you know that there's going to be element. I mean, no matter what, people are going to compare it to Guardians, and the fact that it's yeah, going to be totally. a band of misfits who who are going to sort of be made sympathetic and made whole through yeah. each other is it's yeah. that's a lot of what the strength of Guardians is, and and I'm yeah. assuming that it's different enough from it, or else he wouldn't have taken the project because I know that he of all people would be aware that how derivative he would be accused yes. of being if yeah. um if it was essentially the same guts of Guardians. 
I feel I feel like I, I think you're right. I think he's probably got a good angle on it, and um, I'm I'm eager to see what that is because um, mm-hmm. it feels like it would be exactly the same, but um, you know the, the comics are, are are really different. So mm-hmm. let, let's see. You know who knows, right? Um, and then and then there's no information on this, but I will throw this in there. For some reason, Warner Brothers is also making a movie called DC Super Pets, which will come out in 2021. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that is. There's no information given to that, um, but I guess I don't know if it's an animated movie or what. But I don't know. I guess it'll have like Crypto the Super Dog and Ace the Bat Hound and Streaky right. the Super Cat and Comet the Super Horse and Beppo the Super Monkey. I don't know. Um, those are some weird like Silver Age characters, and only a few nerds that are listening to this understand what I'm saying. But um, but yeah, I don't know. So anyway, there's another DC movie in the works, but we're still not getting a Superman movie. So I don't know what they're doing oh, over there. Who knows, yeah. man? Um, yeah. Speaking, let's to, to keep going with DC. Um, sure. What's uh, what's up with Birds of Prey? I saw a teaser today, and I think that's what you were talking about. And uh, yeah, uh, in, in the in the article leading up to what I was going to see, it was like, oh, we see Huntress doing this, and this person doing this, and then like all I saw in this teaser was like a half second of each character except Harley Quinn. Yes, correct. Um, so, so you Birds may as well Prey, show me those Tyler Durden frames and fight club. Just <laughs> right. Pretty much the same amount of exposure. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Birds of Prey, the full title, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which is the... Ooh. All right, whatever. World's wordiest um, title. I feel so bad for the for all the like the independent theater owners who have to put that up on the marquee or, or just like shorten it. Um, but um, but anyway, so birds we of ran prey. Out of U's and O's and B's for fantastic. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, so um, birds of prey. Um, this is an old concept. It's you know essentially um, in the comics, uh, Batgirl, and I, I believe mostly she's Oracle in these comics, um, and um, a few other female characters. Um, whether they're like you know Batwoman or Huntress or uh, what have you, um, are you know all kind of working together to fight crime. Okay, great. That's the premise. Uh, this doesn't feel like that. I don't know. Maybe it is, um, but it, it's really strange. We don't really know much about it. It's coming out in 2020, directed by um, Kathy Yan. Um, I, I don't. I honestly don't know really anything about it. But you're right. They released a teaser trailer, which, um, as I understand, is more of just sort of a costume test um so it's quick shots of a few characters including one uh, like the the torso of one character holding a bat and we don't see her face um so they're like Ooh, who is this mystery character yeah spoiler alert it's probably barbara gordon it's, good lord it's probably a stand-in um, <laughs> this is true yeah we haven't cast this role yeah. yet um and um and so anyway you know it stars margot robbie reprising her role as harley quinn which is really weird now considering we're gonna have the suicide squad <laughs> and her. whatever and yeah and the batman like margot's just like holding on to this like please do more of these for no apparent reason because she's too talented for this yeah um and it has Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. Um, she'll be playing Huntress. Um, Journey Smollett-Bell plays Dinah Lance, Black Canary. Um, we have Rosie Perez in here. Um, and most interestingly, Ewan McGregor, um, who will be playing Black Mask. Um, he um, is not in a mask <laughs> at all in this thing. So this is so strange. He'll just be playing um, white face. Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> British man. And um and so um yeah, Ewan McGregor um is 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 black mask for no apparent reason. Rosie Perez um, is in that? Yeah, she's playing Renee Montoya, uh Gotham City Police like police officer okay. I, I don't know it's it's a it's a mainstay character of the comics officer? but um or like yeah, commission like a no, in, traditionally just a just a cop, just a beat cop. Rosie um, Perez so I don't is like sixty five. Yeah, so they I don't never know how they're. I, I guess I guess it's sexism, and Commissioner Gordon's like, <laughs> yeah. I ain't having a woman he's, in here. He's like, holy <laughs> shit, you're older than I am. Why aren't you? <laughs> it's just J.K. Simmons know, being really sexist. Those are Brooklyn, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. I, I just remember the last thing I saw Rosie Perez in was Pineapple Express, and it was just, yes. that, that was the guy. That was the guy. Was, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that, that, right. that, that, that like Hispanic, like thick New York accent that she has. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Um, and then, and then weirdly, um, uh, Chris Messina plays Victor Zaz in this, but he's not scarred up with his, I don't know. This is really weird. Um, bottom line, this is my bottom line on this. I am, I am, I think I've cared enough about the DCEU (laughs) and, and I almost can't get aggravated by it anymore. I just kind of get intrigued. (laughs) And so, and so what intrigues me here is how every choice seems so wrong, like down to (laughs) the wardrobe that Harley Quinn is in. Uh Um, and, and like the wardrobe of, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, and what little we see of Black Canary, and uh, most especially Victor Zaz, who, like I said, is not scarred, and Black Mask, who isn't in a freaking mask. Um, <laughs> that I, I'm just so like over it. I think um, so. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I I really have honestly. I'm a huge DC fan. I have, and I love I love the concept of birds of prey i have no interest in this movie whatsoever (laughs) and this is coming from a guy who actually attempted to watch the show show. birds of prey from the wb back when it was the wb yeah um and although interestingly enough this is this is random and we can move on but um Interestingly, in the pilot of Birds of Prey, um, there's a. It starts with the Joker paralyzing Barbara Gordon, um, so you see him come to her door and shoot. And uh, it's the 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 actor who's playing uh, the Joker is just some random you know schmo, yeah. but he's <clears throat> dubbed by Mark Hamill, yeah, which is super cool. Um, so anyway, you know whatever. But um, anyway, there probably won't be anything that cool in this whole movie. So we'll see. You know, after watching Mark Hamill like be the trickster in mm. The Flash, I was sort of convinced, like, man, like in the right project, he could play the Joker in live action. There's no reason he couldn't. You know, I I agree. I think if they did like a um, a Dark Knight Returns kind of a deal where Batman's a lot older, older yeah. Um, let Mark Hamill play Joker. I think yeah. that'd be great. May as well. Like, let that be the capstone of his career. Like, not not voicing like a video game or something. Like, have him actually yeah. come back and and be the Joker and Odin. Right, and get, and get like to death's door, Batman. <laughs> get uh, get Michael Keaton to play Bruce Wayne, yeah. and then and and people Mark Hamill. Want that. And people really want yeah, to see Michael great. Keaton play Bruce uh, play Batman again. Or or you know what? Even better, Hooper. Do a Batman Beyond movie, oh and God. and and Michael Keaton as Batman, Mark Hamill as the Joker, and then get um you know some young some hot kid, shot yeah, yeah to play runner. Terry McGinnis, <laughs> like like for some reason Milo Ventimiglia came to my mind, right. but like younger, yeah, but like before Gilmore yeah. Girls or circa Gilmore Girls, Milo right? Ventimiglia. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, um yeah, eh, whatever. Uh, okay, so let's see. Where are we at now? We got this. Um, let's transition to other comic book news. Um, sure. We'll give Marvel a shot here. There's really just a sure. couple of factoids. These aren't even really full stories. I just want to point out one. Uh, there's just a little, uh, there's a rumor going out right now, and I think it's already been an existing rumor, but this yes. this site claimed to have heard a report that, that Marvel is developing the Black Widow film as an R-rated film. Um, I think yes. before it was like, Oh, it would be actually a really good. Oh, would it be like? Would they even do that? And <clears throat> I think Kevin Feige denied it or something back in yeah. that day. Um, and uh, I think that if you're going to do a prequel movie about about Natasha Romanoff, then if it doesn't have to be R rated, really. But I mean, it 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 could. I mean, it could serve the story in that sense. Although mm. they got a good track record keeping the audience wide, so I don't know if they'd take the risk or not. Um, but it's just a rumor right now. So there's no, I think Tom Holland may have said something. No, sorry. He said, this is, that's the next story I was going to talk about. Um, Mm. (laughs) it's just (laughs) that the odds are that Tom Holland said something that, (laughs) right. Yeah. um, Just say that. He'll probably (laughs) say it by the time the episode comes out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so there's that. So that's just food for thought. It's, it's just sort of going around. So who knows if it's even true. Um, yeah. The other thing uh, though, is that, uh, there's a popular fan theory, that the little kid in Iron Man two who 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 Tony saves the kid with the with the mask on mm-hmm. that the drone almost kills because I guess it mm-hmm. thinks it's him. Um, if you all remember in Iron Man two, the drones are targeting Iron Man all of that. So so the, they're pointing around, shooting at the crowd. They see a kid in Iron Man mask. They facial match it to like the Iron Man mask. Drone's about to b- blow this kid away, and everyone else is running away. And this kid just raises his his hand up like he's gonna blast the the 
the statue and then Stark shows up, stands right next to him, blows the thing up and goes, nice work, kid, and flies away. There's a fan theory now going around that that kid is Peter Parker. Yes. Um, and so the article I read pointed out, like, obviously this this wouldn't have been pre-planned because they didn't even have the rights to Spider-Man in 2010. Yeah. Um, but that it's one of those things that lately that they might be like retroactively putting into these into the canon. Although yeah. this is also this is more than a rumor, but it's not real. There's been no reference to it in the films as of now. Right. Um, yeah. uh, I think I think Tom Holland did say on the stage like oh yeah i think that's totally peter or like it's more of like an i think or in my mind it is sure. sort of thing um, yeah yeah which could just be an actor's process type of deal um i think yeah. kevin feige may have said something like oh it sounds cool like when someone brought it up to him so mm. it's not official canon it probably never will be but it yeah. is a fun way to think of the character because this article pointed out that it's a it was a fun way to explain um why of all the avengers that peter is most uh most idolizes tony stark because you know, Iron Man saved his life when he was a kid before he even had powers, Um, which might explain why he's like so starstruck when Stark's like talking to his aunt in civil war. Yeah. Although those things are all just explained away by, Oh, a famous person, just any famous person is in my house. And the fact that, Oh, I'm Peter Parker. I have a heart of gold. And that's why I save people. Not because I love Iron Man. Right. 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 Um, But it's fun to think about sort of, but it it doesn't ruin the story one way or the other to me. Um, So unless they explain it in further movies, like, you know, if they decided that would be a thing, part of me would be like, oh, it's stupid to sneak that in. But at the same time, it's, it's, it wouldn't be out of character either. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, just a fun little fun little theory. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. There's um, bigger stories out there about comic books. I think we're talking a lot about comic book film news right now. Um, yeah. There's, uh, there's an article on Esquire about um, just sort of – I'm not going to go into it because this is stuff that you and I have talked about on this show Um for a lot of years about um, how comic book movies are not taken seriously by the Academy Awards or really just by f- the film community in general. Yeah. Um, but then now they sort of are uh, with the nomination yep. of Black Panther for Best Picture and then last year's nomination for Logan for Best Adapted Screenplay. Mm. Um, uh, and how... It's you know you can go read it if you want on Esquire, but like we we talk about like I said we talked about on the show for years about how you know we talk about movies like this so much because because we enjoy them, but like I but but as we've said over and over again, they are they are conduits for for I don't know positive role models in some ways. Um, sure, uh, I think they're inspiring to people, um, and I just mm-hmm. think that on a technical and cinematic level and on a performance level, they are they're up there with just general definitely like higher brow blockbusters and higher brow um dramas yeah yeah. um and how the academy is finally recognizing that now it could be for the wrong reasons like oh we just want people to watch so we'll nominate a popular film like black panther but it does say something that they're willing to put their 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 film card on the table like that and risk looking um you know looking populist and dumb uh, just to get mm. viewers, but it, it at least shows you that it's worth the risk for them to, to yeah. start doing that, which still says something about the quality of the, the movies too. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I think it's been a long time coming and, and you and I have always, have always treated these movies like they are art and they do matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think, I think it's about time, you know, I think, I think maybe the, the tipping of the iceberg was the dark Knight with its, um, Snub. nomination and, and win for, for Heath Ledger. Oh, well, yeah. um, as well as well as it's snub. snub for best picture right um but but i think in it somehow both of those two things um ignoring and allowing one to win um really kind of catapulted the whole industry like hey we're, we're here we're here to stay mm-hmm. and and there's no reason why we're to be considered inferior um, and, and you and I have, I've often talked too about stuff like science fiction movies, how they are metaphors or they're allegories for real life. Um, you know, that, that, that dates back years and years that, that, that fiction has always been, um, an allegory for something bigger, for something, you know, truer. And, um, and I don't see any reason why, why 
a story that's sort of grounded in our real world, like something like eighth grade, which I love, um, is any more artistic or, or meaningful than something like, uh, you know, uh, Black Panther or The Dark Knight or uh, freaking Winter Soldier. Like it's all um, – or Logan, it, you know, it, it is artistic and it does mean things. And there's no reason why something that's heightened and and separate from our real world um, shouldn't still mean something to us. So it's about time. There's also another article out. Talk about the Oscars real quick, and then we'll um, sure probably go to break. Um, sure. There's an article on Forbes called "The Uncomfortable Truth About the Oscars," and this sort of mm. again touches on stuff that we've talked about in this show. Um, recently and, and for years, but uh, it's nice to see it in an article um, <clears throat> with so many eyeballs. Um, um, but it's talking mainly about the inclusion of Bohemian Rhapsody in the Best mm. Picture lineup and how yeah. um, in how that's sort of controversial because uh, yeah. because of Brian Singer and the allegations against him for sexual misconduct mm-hmm. and the fact that Brian Singer is still, you know, scheduled to direct another film about a comic book hero who happens to be a rape victim while Brian Singer is accused of, you know, among other things, rape. Yes. Um, and, uh, so he goes through all the facts and everything, but there's some, a few excerpts I wanted to read that I thought were just sort of nicely worded. Um, a little bit, a little, a little too progressive for me in terms of like how I choose to look at this thing, but, but all in all sums it up. Um, this might be a good time to reflect on the fact that Kevin Hart was dropped from hosting this year's Oscars due to his homophobic tweets. Twitter, it seems, is the most dangerous landscape in Hollywood, one of the few places where actions have consequences. It's difficult to shake the feeling that Hollywood is only interested in making aesthetic changes in a bid to appear progressive rather than taking real action. Alleged <clears throat> predators like Brian Singer and John Lasseter continue to receive fat paychecks while Hollywood itself pats itself on the back for spreading the gospel of social justice through storytelling. The hideous hypocrisy is difficult to ignore. The Oscar ceremony is marketed as an event that promotes progressive values as well as a celebration of artistic achievement, but you can't claim to be on the side of Me Too <clears throat> when stories of systemic abuse continue to emerge and are ignored. Uh, There's also the fact that the Oscars so white controversy did not just expose the inherent racial inequality of the ceremony. It attracted attention to the fact that the Oscars is not really a meritocracy. (gasps) What? Um, The members of the Academy aren't rewarding raw talent, but rather campaign funded talent. This helps to explain why incredible films like Sorry to Bother You, Eighth Grade and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse didn't receive the attention they deserved. Sorry to bother you, director Boots Riley recently wrote an interesting Twitter thread breaking down the process, explaining that his film was incredibly unlikely to get nominated because there was no campaign, no money was spent to attract attention, thus no votes secured. Um, And pretty much he's talking about how this used to just be knowledge to film nerds and industry people, but the common... The common populace wasn't aware of the can didn't even know that people campaigned to have their films considered. Um, but now stuff like that's becoming common knowledge and how that's sort of contributing to the ratings dropping for the Oscars year after year is people are becoming aware yeah. of the hypocrisy. Yeah. Like the internet has made people aware of the hypocrisy, the campaign process, and just access to more movies in general. So people are starting to go, oh, but this was a good film. What the hell's the problem? What? Why'd you pick the artist? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So it's just a, you know, like I said, it's, a, it's kind of going in a direction that I'm not really focused on, but at the same time, like it's pointing out like, yeah, the Oscars is, is a largely hypocritical <laughs> ceremony um, that, that started as a really fun, good thing. Yeah, it, it's absolutely true. I don't understand why Brian Singer is still, uh, nominated why his film still gets gets points mm-hmm. when when so many don't um you know uh the rush to uh and rightfully so the rush to remove the name harvey weinstein from everything um was quick was swift mm-hmm. um and no and everyone's dragging their feet about brian singer and that doesn't make any sense to me um so yeah i don't know i i you're right. The article is super interesting. And I think that, um, I think they're trying to have their cake and, you know, and also be like, Hey, aren't we, aren't we having a delicious cake over here? And, and the truth is like, well, I don't, 
I don't care. Like you're you're over there doing your thing. Like and it's it's stupid and hypocritical. Yeah. Enjoy your cake. We'll have our own cake and it's the the cake of actual equality and and the cake of actual uh justice. I don't know. <laughs> justice cake. Justice cake. That sounds like Batman's birthday cake. Love <laughs> well, some justice cake. I love justice cake, Alfred. <laughs> All right. Um how about this? Let's go to break. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll, uh, I want to hit one more story, and then we'll talk about our film. Let's do it. All right. Uh, be right back, everybody. Hey, and we're back. Hope you enjoyed that break. And I hope you're hungry, too. I did. Ready to look up some restaurants. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Real quick, uh, one more film story. Uh, there is a, a Beatles documentary that's going to be made. Dustin? Yeah, I'm super excited for this. Uh, and uh, the director attached is P- Peter Jackson. Yeah, small indie director no one's ever heard of. Yeah, this Peter, um, Peter this Jackson fellow. Um, Peter. Peter Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> um, um, this, this, this sounds yeah. great to me. Um, just, yeah. uh, Peter Jackson is a, is a very passionate individual. So when he puts yeah. his name on something, you know it's because he loves it. Lord of the Rings, uh, mm. the, uh, the King Kong, um, uh, Tintin, and um, mm. and of course also what was up uh, the the oh god what was the one Search Ronan, um, Lovely Bones, Lovely Bones. Like every time I heard him, even the ones that didn't do as well or connect with people, he's still like, oh, this is like my favorite show as a child and stuff. Like mm. that's Peter Jackson is one of the people who makes films because it brings him joy. Right. Um, so this is, um, this was announced today, um, which is the 50th anniversary of the Beatles rooftop concert, um, which is a huge deal. Um, and so, um, what this is, is they've, the, the band and Apple and everybody else has has given, um, Peter Jackson access to 55 hours, I believe of, uh, no, no, uh, 55 hours of never before seen footage and 140 hours of audio. Um, and, and so essentially Peter will now be going through all of this footage and audio and editing it into a film, um, which I'm sure will have some original material in it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, interviews, talking heads, that sort of thing. Um, but they're using the same, um, sort of, um, uh, what, what do you call it? Like remastering of footage that was used in Peter Jackson's current documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, which is a World War One documentary, which is has been colorized and uh, is presented in 3D, actually. Um, oh. So it's really great. Um, there that that show is selling out, and so they've actually extended the into a wide release. Um, I, I would love to go see it, but. Um, but yeah, so he is actually sort of taking uh, those 55 hours plus the original film, uh, Let It Be, um, which was shot on 16 millimeter and sort of remastering all of that, remixing it and presenting sort of a new look at this. Because for uh, Beatles fans and um, and and the world, um, the impression that we've always been under is that Let It Be was a time when the Beatles were breaking up. They were fighting at their most hardcore. Um, this is the last project that they would work on together. Um, although not really cause Abbey road was after this, but, but regardless, this was, um, the last sort of, uh, big project that they would do all in tandem. And, um, and, and so the, the, the theory has always gone that they were fighting, they were bickering all the time. Um, and that's what was shown in the original let it be documentary. Um, and that, documentary has never been released on dvd or blu-ray and i believe P- i believe paul mccartney and ringo Starr have both said as long as we're alive it never will be um mm. but i th- and, and essentially because it shows them in such a poor light um however i think the the plan here is that peter jackson will sort of remix it use this alternate footage and peter himself has said like looking through it i was he says quote i was relieved to discover the reality is very different to the myth after reviewing all the footage and audio that michael Lindsay hogg shot 18 months before they broke up it's simply amazing an amazing historical treasure trove sure there's moments of drama but none of the discord this project has long been associated with um and so um we'll get to see sort of a new look at the let it be sessions um which were called the get back sessions at the time fun fact and um and yeah so um 
lot of good stuff here. I'm excited to see it. Um, and I think that they have also announced that they will be finally releasing the original Let It Be um, documentary, even though Paul and Ringo are both still alive. Um, but I guess now that there's sort of a, an actual truth that's that's going to come out, they'll show this just sort of as archival stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited. I think this will be great. Peter Jackson, like you said, super passionate. Mm-hmm. I know he loves the Beatles. I know he loves making movies. And so this is going to be a really great thing. Um, and, and, and great to do while Paul and Ringo are still alive, which is sounds morbid to say, but, um, but yeah. And, and document, no one's going to do all that work for, for a cash grab. Documentaries are not cash cows. Um, no. they're a whole lot of work and there's yes. the added pressure of being truthful and accurate. Like with, with, yes. I was talking and we're not going to talk about this on this show, but you know, there's this controversy surrounding green book, um, about yeah. how that may not have happened the way that it was depicted in the yeah. book and in the film, uh, according to the Mahershala Ali character's uh, family. Yeah. Now <clears throat> I was talking to someone about it and I'll talk about this more on another time, but basically with film, I just don't think, and we all kind of know there's not really, you can say based on a true story and that essentially covers you from a legal sense of from having to tell an entirely truthful recounting of events. You know, you yeah, basically yeah. just get to say these characters are real. We are, these characters are, are real people, but you're not saying the story unfolded like this um, objectively because yeah, exactly. you don't actually know that it's just based on living people. But the, yeah. but the, the, what that does is that people, People watch a movie and they think, well, that's what happened. And you yeah. can't come out and say, no, it doesn't, because then it hurts, because then the film gets shown in a negative light. So it's sort yeah. of just this unspoken um, fact with, with movies based on true stories that that you're really trying to tell a story. There's the added juice of it being based on true events. Uh, so you, you want to have your cake and eat it too. Um, yeah. But uh, as we see in the process, some people sort of get left out or a story at least left untold. But it's okay because the person said, hey, I didn't say the story was true. I said it was based on a true story. Um, right. And exactly. so with the documentary, you definitely have the added expectation of you are telling facts. Like this is... You're a journalist now. You're not really just a filmmaker. You're a journalist. And yeah, Yeah. you're telling an emotional arc, but you got to do it with real, real stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that's a lot of risk and a lot of work to take on for relatively little return. And so this is being made by someone who's doing that all because of the love of the craft and the love of the subject matter. And I think fans will really appreciate that when it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. Let's talk about our movie tonight. I know we're running a little long, Dustin. I apologize. That's, that's all good. Um, let's talk about The Old Man and the Gun, which is the final cinematic appearance of Robert Redford, the star yes. of the film. I thought for a little while that he directed this. He did not. It was directed by David... David Lowry. Lowry. Okay. Um, and yeah, I got this uh, at a red box. Yeah, I did too. Okay, cool. So, uh, Dustin, do you want to set this up? Sure. So... Um, so the old man and the gun uh, follows the story of Forrest Tucker. This is also based on a true story, by the way. Yes. Um, and and Forrest Tucker is a um, is a bank robber, um, but he's also an old man, and so uh, he also has a gun. And there's your there's your, your title. title right there. Um, no, Accurate. so um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Forrest Tucker. Um, uh, lives to to rob banks he lives for the the thrill of that um and and so this is sort of the story of yeah absolutely and this is sort of the the story of how he um intertwines that and a blooming relationship um with sissy spacex character um and uh, who believe is named jewel in the Mm -hmm. film and uh, so Forrest and Jewel um, begin to sort of fall for each other. And uh, meanwhile, he is still uh, on the sly, yeah. robbing some banks. He's robbing banks. Right. And uh, Casey Affleck plays a detective who's hot on his trail. <clears throat> yeah. It's your basic kind of story. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty stock um, uh, uh, character dynamic setup, you know. Yeah. Um, I, it, and, and I think that the actors infuse those characters with a little bit more um uh dimension <clears throat> probably yeah. I and mean, then casey yeah. Affleck, and you could have gotten anyone to just play the the cop hot on his trail but you got someone like casey yeah. aspect uh, casey <clears throat> aspect casey aspect aspect one aspect <laughs> of his character is he really he really does like he's burnt out on being a cop you yeah. know yeah and um and in a way i guess seeing whether it's just the drive to catch um forest um mm. 
But I, I think that there's a little bit of like him sort of being reinvigorated in his passion for his work, considering how much yeah. I guess Forrest enjoys being a criminal. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you yeah. know he he sort of um, gets to reinvigorate that spark of why he likes being a police officer and yeah. you know and why he. I don't know what the example he sets for his kids, I guess, too. But um, sure. yeah, what you what'd you think of this film, Dustin? Um, well, I gave it I, I, I think I would give it a four and a half Ooh. stars. Uh, maybe maybe a four if you, if you press me if four star. OK, um, I, I wouldn't go with five, but but let's just call it four or four and a half. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I it, this is sort of the definition of they don't make them like that anymore. Um, it's a it's a good old fashioned movie in that it is um, it it it's it, it's just a basic story that's simple and easy to follow and um, follows a, a good interesting lead character and has good. Uh, you know, character development and, um, you know, it's shot on film. And so the whole thing is just kind of, it feels like a classic movie. Yeah. Um, I noticed with the cinematography, there's a lot of shots that start really wide and they just slowly work in a zoom, like a telescopic yeah. zoom to a person. And I, I, yeah. the first thing I thought was, God, it reminds me of like dog day afternoon or these, these films from the seventies, you know? Yeah, exactly. Had, yeah, and the, th- those are shots you just don't see anymore because they're considered not like artistic. Like they they aren't compositionally right. sound, but or kind of cheap. Yeah, yeah, they come off as like cheap. But for some reason, I was just like, oh, this, oh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen camera work like that in a, in, a, in a in a good bit. Exactly, it has a really old fashioned sense of cinematic language, yeah. but it, it, it's also. Um, it does feel modern in that the performances are modern. So, so the performances don't feel stilted like an old yeah. movie from the seventies. Yeah. Um, the performances feel modern and real and lived in, um, which is appreciated. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, you're right. Like the, the language of, of the camera movement and the, uh, the zooms and, and the, and the fact that they'll let the camera linger and the fact that they'll let the, the shot just be a wide shot yeah. for a while. Um, the movies don't do that anymore. And so you, you're never really like the editing doesn't draw attention to itself. Yeah. It just feels like a really simply made film. I wouldn't be surprised to learn if this film was shot, um, relatively quickly and relatively cheaply um and that's not to knock it and say it looks cheap it's to not it's it's just to say it's a simple movie and 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 i think that um it for me anyway it was kind of a breath of fresh air because it's like okay there's not a billion cuts every five seconds Mm -hmm. and and these these you know characters aren't kind of uh, one dimensional, they're actually given some level of, of, of realism. Um, I particularly loved, um, there's a a few moments in here of like stock footage from throughout Robert Redford's career. Um, and I love when they work in young Robert Redford into, into this film and, um, photos of young Robert Redford and, um, all in all, I, I think um, not only was it a breath of fresh air to me, but I also really loved that it it was almost a love letter to Robert Redford, or or at least at very least to a, the the type of movie he was famous for making. Yeah, the, those Jeremiah Johnson, Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid yeah. type of movies, The Sting. You know, these kind of movies that were simple but were fun and are memorable. Um, and it, it was a really a love letter to that. And, and, and I really enjoyed that. I think that, uh, I wish that would come back. I, I wish this didn't feel so out of place. I wish there were more movies like it, but, um, but I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. What, what did you think? Yeah. My, my rating's probably a little lower. I mean, I'm probably like three, three sure. and a half or something. Like I thought okay. it was, I thought it was fine. Um, but like, sure. but, um, but I still agree with everything you just said. I mean, like it's, yeah. it's, it really is. I mean, it's, it was very clearly, and it was sort of publicized as, as this too. Like it's, it is sort of, it is like a farewell to Robert Redford and it, it's very, yeah. it wasn't like we did, he did the film, it came out and everything. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm retiring. Like he, it was yeah. announced like, this is my last film. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it does serve as a, as a, as a, as a, as a farewell to him. And, and it just sort of, I haven't seen, there's a lot of Robert Redford's films I have not seen, um, just mm. due to my age, I guess. But like, sure, I, sure. I, 
obviously I know, and I have, and from what I have seen, like I can attest to his charm. Um, even when he's playing people who are either lawbreakers or, um, misanthropes or something, they're still like these, you know, relatively like, you know, on the scale of good to evil, like still pretty good hearted, um, scoundrels. Um, not like anti-heroes like Han Solo or anything, but like, like I'm a criminal, but yeah, but, but, but you want me. But yeah, you know, yeah. But you, you like me. You, you love you, me. You'd still invite me to your social functions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could still take me home to mom. You know, I, right, and, right, right. And um, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I did kind of enjoy the simplicity. I sort of liked the way that his character made it seem like he was mysterious enough to where I wasn't quite sure um what he wanted. I didn't, I didn't know if he yeah. was. I think for a while I had a problem with the fact that um I never got this sense of like them working towards a goal. I was like are they trying to sure. rip off one more bank or are they trying to get to yeah, a certain yeah. number? So, but then again, that added like this tension because it's like yeah. you're you know, it, it wasn't a predictable story structure because you could have predicted the ending if you were predicting, oh, we're working towards this final score. It's like, okay, well one of them's yeah. probably going to get killed, one of them's going to go to jail, and then, you know, the cop will catch the letter. So, in that in that sense, sort of the lack of a generic structure um yeah. Just like all my reviews, I'm thinking of all this right now. <laughs> and sure, it's altering sure, sure, my, sure. my review dramatically. But right. like all um, films that sort of um, uh, buck or sidestep like a generic story structure, it gave me the sense of like, oh, I don't know where this is going because yeah. everything seems relatively normal. Um, yeah. But it gave me the sense of like, not like an overwhelming like tension, but, but, mm. but, but definitely a feeling of, well, I'm not sure where this is going. I don't know what he wants. Yeah. I don't know if he when, when he's going to do what, and I don't know what's going to happen to him because there's, I have no yeah. structure to base this off of. And in a way it sort of freed you up to just sort of really pay attention to what he's doing. Um, and, and, you know, and I, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, um, you know, for for those of you who have listened to any number of the Hoopercast episodes, um, you know that I'm really big on you know goal, right? What is this character's goal? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think one of the reasons why um, I wasn't put off by this film not explicitly stating, look, I need X amount of money so I can do this thing yeah. or whatever the case is, was because they kept Robert Redford, they, they kept Forrest at a at a arm's distance. Mm-hmm for at the beginning of the film and throughout the course of the movie is like that arm distance shortened until finally at the end you're nose to nose and you know what this is um and 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 like you said had you known where it was going to end uh or had you known what the goal was you would know where it would end Mm -hmm. um and so what's so great is that you don't know and so uh, but by the end the lack of knowing makes sense because in a weird way you think you're in forrest tucker's shoes you think you're identifying with that character but the the weird twist is you almost identify with every character but him, and the two characters, Jewel and uh, Casey Affleck's character, mm-hmm. um, don't know much about him. And throughout the course of the film, get to know more and more and more. And that's where you are. You get to know him more and more and more. And by the end, you know him just as well as they do. Yeah. And in fact, you know him just as much as he knows himself. Yeah. And you now know what the goal was. And the fact that that wasn't broadcast at the beginning, I think worked really well here. And it may be the only example of that that I can think of where not knowing the goal ended up being the perfect way of getting me to the end of the story. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I, I do really enjoy that that aspect of it. Yeah, um, you know it's 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 pretty much a movie about it's it, it, yeah like it's, they're not working towards one final score. They're it's just like hey, I love Robin Banks. I've been Robin Banks for decades, and I mm. just really enjoy Robin Banks. It makes me happy. Um, right. And it's the question of am I get am I ever going to stop? When will I stop robbing banks? Will I stop yeah. robbing yeah. banks because I met a woman? Will I stop robbing banks because I'm back? I'm going back to prison. Will I stop robbing banks because I'm killed? You know, right. what, you know, what, at what point, what will it take to get me to stop doing this thing I love? And if it's any, if it's any allegory for Robert Redford, yeah. except for, you know, the part where he retires acting, it is, um, yeah. it's, it's definitely is an allegory for, for doing films. It's like, yeah, I, I do sure. film, I do film after film because I enjoy it. And, um, yeah, you know, 
I'm, I just, I'm good at I'm it, good at and, it I, and I love it. And it, it brings yeah. me joy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so it's, it is a pretty positive film. I will say it's, it's not, it's not like a downer film. It's an, just a good old fashioned, like kind of, you know, in a way feel good, um, story that's doesn't yeah. spoon feed you anything either. Um, doesn't feed you any platitudes except for, I guess, love what you do. <laughs> yeah. Find something you're good at, yeah. do it, enjoy it. I'll, I'll say this, um, and this is not, you know, much of a criticism, but it's more of a warning. Um, if if you're the type of person that, that doesn't like a little bit of like slowness to your film, mm. um, this this may not be for you. Mm. If if you and that, that's not a knock to you. That's that's to say if you just enjoy like, all right, let me jump in and, and hit the ground running. Um this may not be the, the, the type of movie for you. Um, but if, if you're okay with a movie kind of spending its entire runtime telling you one thing, um, then, then you'll, you'll enjoy it. And, and, and maybe, maybe you'll enjoy it anyway, even if you are that type of person that wants to hit the ground running. Um, but, um, because I'm that in, in some ways, but, um, but I, I, you know, I, I do, that's just a, a little war, word of warning. Um, it can it could be slow to some people, probably. Um, but yeah. all in all, I, I I really recommend it. I think I think you'll get a lot out of it. And if if you're in this for the character, um, you'll get a whole lot out of it. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I recommend it. Yeah. Well, the old man gun is on Redbox, um, probably on iTunes as well for rent. So um, yeah, do what we did. Go check it out. Yeah. Um, okay, that's gonna be it for the the movie hour this week. Uh, we're off next week, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most likely. Yeah, most likely. So, uh, yeah. But in the meantime, we'll be watching, knocking out movies for our 2018 best of uh, or favorite <coughs> list. Yeah. We got yeah. Another fun list for you guys coming up. Um, uh, yeah. Sweet. So, yeah. So I guess, and I guess in the next couple of weeks, look forward to some dailies episodes for some film news yes. overflow and um yeah we'll come back and talk about some other films yeah woo um all righty that's it yeah that's it okay guys thanks for listening um uh, facebook.com slash supercast itunes spotify stitcher radio on demand anchor fm and of course youtube thanks goodbye get hey. out there see some good movies see ya bye